changing and um, it feels like everything is a little on the chaotic side and that always puts me off my game. So the other thing is I have a cold and it's a man cold. Uh, I, uh, I, what? Uh, it may be my last one. Man colds are often fatal. Uh, I'm going to do my best to make my way through it. Uh, if I collapse, somebody pick up the uh, flag and carry on, or the, the word and carry on for me. Uh, so um, we're going to be in Acts today, uh, and I actually need to open my slides here uh, because I have not been up here yet. Usually I have all this set up because I set it up during the time when everybody's supposed to be greeting each other. Oh, gosh. Come on, cooperate. Okay. Uh, so we're in Acts, and um, what's been going on up until this point, uh, um, it's, of course, the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, I've been calling it the Acts of the Spirit because the book of Acts, um, as we've kind of talked about before, I mean, a little review, it is unavoidable and it is important, okay? Uh, the, the book of Acts is the story of the gospel spreading from the central point in Jerusalem when Pentecost happened and Christ ascended and all that, um, and so from there, the Holy Spirit brings the word outward and like Christ gives them this commission, like in, uh, you know, in Jerusalem and Judea, you know, and, and then outward. And like, that's what we see in the book where it starts out local and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And last week we kind of crossed a big bridge in that regard where, um, Peter had, uh, done a handful of miracles and they were, like, directly imitating Christ. And then we find him uh, staying with a tanner. And I can tell you all about tanner's houses if you would like, but not right now. Because I researched it thoroughly, and somebody explained to me that nobody cares about tanners. Uh, despite the fact that I researched it extensively and think it's fascinating and gross. Um, so, uh, <laughs> ask me afterwards if you want to hear more. The uh, so Peter's staying at this Tanner's house and he has a vision. He's on top of the guy's roof um, and a sheet like descends from heaven and it's covered in animals. And um, there's a discussion about eating unclean animals. And Peter's like, no, I've never eaten an unclean animal ever, even though he again is at a Tanner's house, which is super gross. Um, and then he goes, he's brought by a group of men to uh, Caesarea by the sea, which is just north, about 30 miles from where he was staying in Joppa. And he goes there and he evangelizes the Gentiles. And he figures out like, oh my gosh, that whole vision was about the Gentiles. Um, real quick, Jewish folks had a low opinion of Gentiles. Everybody with me? Um, you couldn't eat a meal with them. You couldn't hang out with them. You couldn't go in their houses. You couldn't. There were a whole lot of things you weren't supposed to do, and they were considered to be not God's chosen people. These are folks who were not allowed in the temple. They were not allowed, like, in certain settings. They, you know, they were just not acceptable. And actually, um, a lot of folks make um, a great deal of the fact that, like, Samaritans were called dogs. Actually, Gentiles were too. Like, Jewish people called Gentiles dogs. Like, they didn't like them. They had a very low opinion of them. Um, so Peter goes there, he starts preaching to the Gentiles, a whole bunch of them are like, they're there, they're listening, and then the spirit descends on them. What happened to my slides? Why are they moving around? Um, did they? No, maybe. All right. Um, so the spirit descends on them, they start speaking in tongues and Peter's like, wow, what's going to stop me now from baptizing these guys? Why is that an unusual statement? Because you didn't baptize Gentiles. 
right? It was a Jewish-specific thing. Or when somebody was a God-fearer, when they translated into the Jewish faith, they would sometimes do a washing ceremony similar to baptism. Um, but Christians weren't baptizing Gentiles at this point, not widely. I think uh, probably Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch is the first example, but it's not a real well-known incident. So Peter is there. These guys have all like spoken in tongues and the Holy Spirit is there and it's amazing. And he baptizes all of them. He starts the first Gentile church and the giant mission to the Gentiles. um, And it is going to change the rest of the book. So then Peter goes back to Jerusalem after several months of preaching and teaching and hanging out there. He goes back to Jerusalem and that's where we're picking it up. Actually, before we do that, I have a story. Um, I used to work uh, ages ago uh, before I came here. I worked in a mental health setting, and just about everybody knows that. It's like, oh, my gosh, another one of these stories. Um, We had a a treatment program there for drug addicts, and um, they were fun. It was actually one of my favorite groups, um, and I, uh, at the end of everyone's treatment, they would do something called a coin ceremony. Okay, and so what it would be, because like the the program when I got there was run by two guys who'd gone through AA and had been sober for years and years, and they would do an AA style pass around, right? Like where they would take a coin, well, not a pass around, they would give out a token, right, with a little angel on it, um, and uh, they would, uh, everybody would take turns holding the coin and saying something encouraging or praying for them or doing whatever, and it would go all the way around the room through everybody in the program, right? And then um, they would take it, and that would be their reminder. I went through drug treatment, right? Um, and, and it was a big deal to everyone to earn the coin because they had been working at it for sometimes six months or a year or longer, like just trying to earn this dumb coin. And they'd watch everybody else go through the process. And I had a habit I developed toward the end of my time there. Um, I would go, and I would always sit next to the person who was graduating. So I'd be the last one. Right. And what I would do is I would uh, the week before I would go over to Chuck E. Cheese. You guys familiar with Chuck E. Cheese? They don't have them in Montana. Um, Chuck E. Cheese is what hell would look like if it like was on Earth. Right. (laughs) Giant animatronic animals sing awful songs while you eat cardboard pizza that is really just not good and doesn't seem very hygienic and a giant rat runs around the place and there are video games. And so if you're a kid, it's like awesome. But if you're a parent, it's penance, right? It is the way to buy your way out of throwing a real birthday party. And so you have to sit there and like, I think they serve beer, which was a big thing. Um, But I would get a handful of these Chuck E. Cheese tokens and I would sit next to the guy. And when the coin came to me, I have a, this is an 11-year AA token. I would take their coin, and I would hold it, and I would say what I was going to say, and what I said every time, I would palm it, and I would switch it out for my Chuck E. Cheese token. And I would say, this only matters if it represents something real in your life. If it doesn't translate into something more, it might as well be nothing. And then I'd give them the Chuck E. Cheese token. They'd always be like, what? What the heck? Where's my coin? I'm like, all right, here's your real coin. But remember, take them both with you. And remember, it only matters if it makes you a new person. 
if you walk out the door and you become the same guy you were before, it's nothing. You might as well have a Chuck E. Cheese token, right? Because it has no value. Um, and Chuck E. Cheese tokens don't have value, except if your kids have them, then they think they can enjoy themselves, and it's like a looming threat for your parents. Um, okay, so in Acts 11, we're going to pick up, and it's going to relate, okay? So I'm not just telling a story randomly in the middle. That was not the worst ADD squirrel moment ever. It's going to come back around, okay? So in Acts 11, so Peter is in Jerusalem, and he's talking to the apostles. Now, the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them? Okay. So Peter has gone. And he has eaten with pagans, with people who are not Jews. Actually, they were God-fearers. So they were on their way to becoming Jewish, but they hadn't been circumcised. And so for Peter to eat with these guys is a huge breach of ceremonial law, right? And already you have the, un, you know, the party of the circumcision, which is a crazy thing that it happened that fast. These are the guys who spread out into the church like in the years coming, and they would tell folks, in order for you to become a Christian, in order for you to be saved by Jesus. So like they would go out and they preach the gospel. They say like God's son came. He lived a perfect life. He was punished for your sins. And if you believe in him and call him Lord, you are saved. Every rotten thing you've ever done is forgiven. Everything you will ever do is gone. Like, like everything, even the sins you don't even know you committed, you're forgiven for. And all you have to do is believe and confess. And that is it. That's the gospel, right? Anybody who tells you the gospel is something else is lying to you. These guys would step up and say, in order to become a Christian, you have to believe in Christ, follow him, and. That's a big and, right? Seems like a little word, but it's a huge and because it is adding something to the gospel. What it is adding is you have to be circumcised and you have to follow the Jewish laws, right? Now, a lot of folks, like the Jewish religion was like relatively popular in Rome because it like they held to things. They believed in stuff and they followed like moral expectations. And a lot of people were exhausted by the immorality associated with like the pagan religions. Right. Like they were exhausted and worn out and like like it took a lot out of them. And you can see this in our culture. I I know people like to say, oh, we're a Christian country. Go out and look at folks who are just living for themselves and lining their pockets and enjoying life and going on vacations and owning nice cars and everything is about that stuff. And you watch them long enough, you'll recognize they get tired because it is exhausting to keep yourself happy with the world because we're not made that way, right? It's like trying to run a diesel engine on gasoline, that is the most big sandy farmer analogy I could possibly toss out. It will not work, right? And in fact, it'll ruin the engine ultimately. You cannot do it. It is the way it is with us. If you try to fill the hole inside of you that God belongs in with stuff, it will break you inside and you will be emptier and emptier. And it becomes exhausting because you buy something. Anybody ever do this? You buy something nice and you feel good about it for a little bit? Right? It's kind of exciting. And then what happens? 
it wears off. And then you have to buy something else. And then you have to buy something else. And eventually it becomes exhausting. And the same with like physical pleasure, the same with drinking, the same with eat, eating too much, the same with like everything. Like it is all exhausting. And the Jewish faith was really popular because of that, because people wanted this like real living thing. They were seeking God, like they were thirsting. The spirit was like punching them in the heart, like wake up, wake up. And people were like, I need something more. And so they tried to become Jewish. But man, the Jewish thing, that's hard, especially circumcision. Right? And a lot of Jewish people, or a lot of God-fearers, drew the line right there. They said, you know what, I'll become a Jew this much, but, but no further. We're not, we're not doing that part. And a lot of men avoided that, and I assume, well, anyway. Um, and so, like, the fact that Peter ate with the uncircumcised was a big deal, because all of these guys are like, wait a minute, they have to become Jewish. If they don't become Jewish, they're not good enough. Um, Now watch this. Paul addresses this idea in Philippians. Um, This is Philippians 3. (coughs) Sorry, I have a cold. I'm not shaking hands after church. Uh, Everybody is happy about that uh, because I don't want to spread it. Um, So this is Philippians 3, verse 2. He says, look out for those dogs, right? And that's with a W. That's in the original Greek. Look out for those dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God, the glory of Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Man, Paul is awesome. Right? Like, let me just pause right there. He's like, hey, if you guys think that you earned your way to heaven, look at me. I did it better than you. Right? Because Paul is awesome. Um, Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews as to the law of Pharisee. So he starts listing off his credentials. He's like, not only was I Jewish, I was better Jewish than all of you people. Right? You ever meet somebody like that? Don't you love people like that? Um, (laughs) uh, On the eighth day, the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But, oh, such a big and wonderful word in this setting, right? Whatever gain I had, I count it as loss. For the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but what, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him, like him, like him, that was Eric's emphasis, not the book, in his death, that I may or that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection of the dead. What is Paul saying? Well, I'm glad you asked. Paul is saying, 
I was better at following the rules. I was born in the right family. I had the right lineage. I had the right circumcision, the right ceremonies, the right everything. And it is all rubbish. And I totally love that translation because it is a very soft version of what he's actually saying. The Bible, sometimes when you read, um, they soften translations because it wouldn't be very polite. Um, I consider it all as a big pile of poo is basically what he's saying, right? And that was the Message Bible, so you can look that up later. Um, I don't actually know what the message would say, but, like, that's the idea. He's saying, listen, it is all excrement. It is all garbage next to knowing Jesus because I cannot earn my way to heaven. I can't. The party of the, of the circumcision are still stuck in this idea that I have to be holy and good and right in order to be acceptable to God. And so they show up when Peter is there, and Peter's like, the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit. They're now a part of the church. Like, God did this awesome thing. And there were miracles and everything else. And these guys come along, and they're like, you ate with those people? By the way, if you encounter someone who hears a story of God working in an amazing way, and the first thing they do is nitpick the decisions you made around it, that's a red flag. Got it? Like when Jesus heals a man who's lame. Like this guy has never walked in his entire life. Jesus kneels down, heals him. The guy gets up and he's like, oh my gosh, I can walk. And the people around him are like, it's the Sabbath. What are you doing? What? <laughs> I just did a miracle. I made a guy walk, like, by commanding him to get up and walk. And you complain about the Sabbath? So Paul, or Peter comes, he says, listen, the Gentiles have come to know Christ. They are made clean by the blood of Christ shed for us. They have accepted the gospel. There's a whole world out there that's going to know Jesus because of this. And they said, wait a minute, you ate with those guys? But Peter began and explained to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying. This is going to sound really familiar. This is last week, okay? And in a trance, I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. But I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were in which we were sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, we entered the man, and we entered the man's house. Now, a real quick note. I had said that last week, that Peter took six guys with him. And so now, as he is telling this story, he has a crowd of witnesses. And he's like, hey, I went there, and these six guys came along. They're going to back me up. Okay? Why is that important? As a small side note, okay, small side note, no big rabbit trail. One of the cool things about early Christian history and about, like, the church is, like, the habit of pointing to evidence, right? Peter didn't say, this is what I saw. He's like, this is what I saw, 
And these six guys were there. Peter, you know, Paul writes, oh, I saw Jesus risen from the grave. And if you don't believe me, these 500 witnesses can chime in. Go ask them. Right? Like the church is full of these specific examples where like stuff happens and everybody sees it. This isn't some weird spiritual moment that only one person feels. This is a visible, evidential event. That's all about that. No more rabbit trail. And he told us how he had seen an angel, seen the angel stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved and all your household. Now, Peter is being very smart. These guys are there. They're like, hey, those guys are uncircumcised. How could you eat with them? How could you evangelize them? How could you do anything? This is horrible. What are you doing? And Peter responds by first saying, this is the vision God gave me. This is the thing the angel told, um, told the Gentiles, right? Like, this is the thing the angel said. And the angel said, hey, you'll be saved by this message. This guy is coming. And I began to speak. The Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I? Hear this again. Who was I that I could stand in God's way? Who was I that I could stand in God's way? This is about the best argument he could have laid out. And, like, he basically shuts him up, right? When I was in college, I was in a production of 12 Angry Men. And as it turns out, I uh, am uh, really good at doing things in the very last minute under pressure. But I'm really bad at doing them when I haven't procrastinated for about a month. It's part of the process. As rehearsals were going, everybody else in the room started complaining to the director about me because I didn't memorize the lines. I didn't. And week after week, they complained. And finally, the director pulls me aside. He's like, Eric, everybody is ticked off at you. You need to memorize your stuff. You need to know it. And I was kind of put off. I don't like people talking about me behind my back. Anybody here? All right, I was just checking. I was angry. And my friend, his name was Dave, um, and Dave said to me, he said, Eric, here's what I'm going to tell you. He's like, you really, you know, you're not the only one who doesn't know your lines. Lots of guys don't. Um, And for whatever reason, they're targeting you, and that's all there is to it. He said, but the best thing you can do today is shut their mouths, right? So I went and hit them. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) He said, learn your lines and their lines, Know it all backward and forward and know it so well that no one, no one can say a word against you. And actually, I did that. And I prompted another guy during one of the, one of the shows where I knew his lines better than he knew his lines. And it shut his mouth. What Peter is doing here is he is shutting their mouths. He's saying, God moved. And God moved big, and God moved obvious. And what are they going to say now? 
Peter says, hey, who am I to stand in the way of that? The Holy Spirit's coming down. How am I going to get in the way of that? What am I going to say? Oh, I'm sorry, I can't eat with you. Oh, I'm sorry, you've obviously received the Holy Spirit, and there's miracles happening and everything else, but there's this moil thing we've got to take care of. Nope, not at all. Instead, Peter embraced them the way God intended him to. When they heard these things, they fell silent, right? What did he do? He shut their mouths because he pointed to what God was doing. He didn't need to argue. He didn't need to do a song and dance. He didn't need to do anything. He pointed to his credentials the same way Paul did with the Judaizers, right? What did Paul say? I did it better than them, and it's all trash next to the gospel. Because only Christ cleans us. Only Christ makes us new. Only Christ is the thing that we will carry into heaven. And actually, some of that stuff that came after that passage, by the way, got a little confusing and jumbled. The summary, and it is a very summary summary, is I don't care about all that stuff because I'm going to stand before God with Christ resurrected. And I'm going to bring that with me, and that is all that matters. Nothing else is coming with me. I can't carry anything else. I can't do anything else. All I have is me growing like Christ and sharing in his suffering and like spreading the gospel and becoming his man. That is it. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. So what do we do with this? All right, part of this is a rerun. I'm just going to tell you. It just is. There's no way around it. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what has happened to you. It doesn't matter how dirty your laundry is. It doesn't matter how ashamed you are of the garbage that sits in your chest that no one knows about. It doesn't matter. Because in Christ, in Christ we are saved. In Christ, we're made clean, not because we're awesome, not because we earned it, not because I am so cool that, of course, God had to send Jesus for me, because none of that is true. The only thing I and the only thing you bring to our salvation is, and you all have heard me say this before, right? The sin that required it to happen in the first place. But Christ died for you anyway. Wow. What else is there? I remember when I first found, like when I first started going to church and I first met Christ, I felt about two inches tall and worthless through and through. And the only people in the world that treated me really nice, aside from my family, was the church. So I don't know what they got, I want it. And then to hear that Christ died for me, I was like, it doesn't matter how rotten I am, it doesn't matter how dumb, how, how ridiculous, how embarrassing, how whatever, Christ died for me. That's all I wanted. I, some of you all caught it. This is my 11-year chip. This is an old one. I was looking around. I got a box of them somewhere. Um, there was a time when I was like an alcoholic, and I was working in church, which is really something. And I was afraid to tell anyone that that's what was going on. You know why? Because I was embarrassed, and I was ashamed. And I knew that if the church knew, that'd be it. Right? Perfect song, Rebecca, right? I say I'm okay, but I'm not. Every day. And then God grabbed a hold of me and shook me and made me be clean. 
Christ's blood washed me, and it was a wonderful thing. And he broke awful parts out of me and prepared me for something better. Because I'm awesome? No. Because I'm a Jew's Jew? No. Because I'm a Hebrew's Hebrew? No. I don't even have that stuff going for me. And if I did, it would still be rubbish next to Christ. Well, but you went to seminary, Eric. You studied the Bible. You've done all this and this and this and this. You know what it is? Next to Christ, I got nothing. It's actually in Isaiah. Um, you know, for I know my best deeds are like filthy rags next to his robes of righteousness. So when I bring out my best stuff and I say, look at how awesome I am, it's no good. Only Christ. The best things that I've done in my life have been as a result of Christ working through me. Christ speaking through me. Christ touching the lives of those through me. Honestly, the coolest things I've been a part of, I sort of wandered into and God did all the work and I'm just standing there. And it's like, what just happened? My challenge for you today is twofold, okay? There are some of us sitting here today who just don't know Christ or who have a big pile of garbage in their chest and I'm fine is the answer we throw out. Because if anybody knew that would be it, right? There are others of us. There's probably a third group that's killing it, so I'm not talking to you right now. Just the people who are, like, screwing up. So there are those of us who don't know Christ at all. And there are those of us who, um, honestly, we have our Chuck E. Cheese token. I have gone to church my whole life. I've done more bake sales. I have... I have listened to every awful Christian music thing that came out. I have, I'm sorry, that was an awful thing to say. I really apologize. I have Jesus t-shirts. I have, you know, all of these things. I have 48 copies of the Bible on a shelf in my living room. And I am saved. And you know what? I'm better than everybody who doesn't have my coin. Anybody find themselves in that spot? You know, it's weird because I'm talking about it and I'm in this spot. Because pride is a thing that we will all struggle with. Because what Christ is calling us to do is put to death the old us. Is to take it out and crucify it and to become more like him. And every day it's a process. Every day I find new ways that I sin. Every day I I find new spiritual man colds that I can't quite kick off. And I need God to come in and make me whole. I need two volunteers. One of them is going to be Josh, but I need another one. Abby. Rebecca, you want to play a song for me? Many of us walk around with our treasures, right? I come from the right family. You can pick. Hear what I'm going to say and decide for yourself. Many of us walk around with our treasures, right? Or many of us try to hold on to our old lives. We try to hold on to the garbage that we think this will make me happy and this will make me worthwhile and we have our treasures. But at the end of the day, if what we're carrying around is our thing of value is not Christ, it's just a Chuck E. Cheese token, right? It's a worthless, annoying thing. A good friend of mine sent me 70 Chuck E. Cheese tokens. If you're in a spot today where the Holy Spirit's nudging you or where God is pushing you or where you're looking inside and you're like, I judge the guy next to me or I don't know Christ because I'm chasing after comfort in the bottle or on websites I shouldn't go to or, 
you know, by being better than the people around me or whatever. Like if Christ is not the core of who you are, take one with you, stick it in your pocket and let it be like an AA token for you. I need to be made new because none of it matters if what's going on inside of you is not about Christ. None of it matters. It's all rubbish if it's not about Christ. And so go pass them around. You don't have to take one. You can if you feel led. And I'll close us in prayer when my kids are done here. Did you run out, Josh? offer a final thought and I'm going to close this in prayer. Um, if, if you picked one up and you look at yourself and you're saying, I need to know Jesus or I have all this stuff I'm hiding and like me looking awesome is just this token I carry around that makes, you know, that makes me okay or whatever. Like my challenge to you then is to say, if that's true, um, talk to someone. Say it out loud to another believer. If you've got sin you're carrying around, confess it. If you've got garbage that you haul around and feel ashamed about, come talk to me. i got worse garbage than anybody in the room. Be right with God. That's When I quit drinking, that was the one thing I said. I just want to be right with God. I don't care if it costs me everything else in life. I just want to be right with God again. And that's when I figured out I had a problem. And that's when I figured out I was broken. I'm going to close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that uh, my messy sermon this morning in my my uh, uh, attempts at just pointing to Christ that they found fertile soil, Lord. I pray that the folks sitting here today heard from you and not from me. I pray those who know that they have things to repent of, those who know that they've got got stuff that tortures them in their hearts and souls, Lord, those that, that have weird little idols and, and treasures that aren't Christ, I pray that they would come to a place where they can they can grow out of it. But they can come to know you more. 
Pray that they would remember over and over again that only Christ is our righteousness. Only Christ is, is anything worth having. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good Sunday, folks.